Tonight I had planned to speak to you about lament, which the dictionary describes as a passionate experience of grief or sorrow, keeping it light. But I've hesitated with this because I don't want to say things that are well-meaning, but not true. You know, that we won't go through seasons of lament in our lives and we can just put on a happy face. Because we will all face suffering and lament is an appropriate and biblical response. But at the same time, I don't want to say things that are in incomplete because lamenting is not the end of the story. I only have about 10 minutes to tackle this, but I'm going to try. The West perhaps isn't famous for being in touch with negative emotions. But then there are moments of public lamenting. Princess Diana's death provoked a huge national response of, of lament and grief. But it does seem to be the exception that we, we push grief and loss and death and lament to one side, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. If you think back to the E-Day, the lasting image is one of people dancing in Trafalgar Square. But the reality was is that lots of people emerged from the war deeply traumatised and damaged. Most people didn't celebrate riotously, but privately. And when the king spoke, he spoke of those who'd lost their lives. He said, we have come to the end of our tribulation, and they are not with us at the moment of our rejoicing. The war cast a very long shadow over society. It still does. A nurse in Leeds wrote in her diary that, that people seemed lost and off their bearings. It's Mental Health Awareness Week and there's more and more headlines that there's going to be a huge aftermath to the crisis that we find ourselves in. And on this page we've got some resources that I would urge you to take a look at. Sometimes, like Simon and Garfunkel sang, there, there are times when darkness comes and pain is all around. And certainly I've had that experience. But I think, I think for most of us, most of the time, life is an ongoing experience of battle and blessing at the same time. You know, these twin tracks of, of battle and blessing. And these past few weeks, I've found myself amongst blessings, saying to friends on, and to God on more than one occasion, you know, I just wish things could be just a smidgen easier. The resurrected Jesus still has scars. And just like that, the war left people changed. And John Wimber said, never trust a leader without a limp. There, there's a legacy to pain and suffering. That, that suffering or sickness can leave you with a sadness long after the event. I think of C.S. Lewis, who wrote A Grief Observed, refreshingly free of platitudes. So much of the Bible is writing of lament and Job and Ecclesiastes. In Psalm 88 and Psalm 39, where there appears to be no hope whatsoever, and there appears to be no redeeming features. In, in Psalm 88, in the Hebrew, the final word is actually darkness. So being real about suffering is, is not putting the Bible to one side. It's actually becoming more biblical. That anything that you could cry out to God, say to God, uh, will not catch him off guard or shock him or repulse him. The fact that these words are in the Bible, these words that are rude about God, wrong about God, and bordering on the blasphemous, these words tell us that God is our God, not because we say or do the right thing all the time, but because he is our God, because he is the God of grace. 
which is so liberating. You know, Jesus, he does not tilt his head on a 45 degree angle and say, poor you. Us getting hurt, it, it deeply affects him. And it's his conviction and his compassion that compelled him to experience what we do. In the passion narratives of the Gospels, you can, you can chart Jesus going through what we would now understand as the grief cycle. We, we worship and we follow the man of sorrows, much acquainted with deepest grief. And Jesus said that a servant is not greater than their master. If they hated him, they'll hate us. He also said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, at the same time that Jesus offers us hope, Jesus, he, he does not skate over, he does not paper over or, or pretend that pain isn't there. I remember Kay and Rick Warren speaking about their 27-year-old son, Matthew, who, who suffered his whole life with mental illness. And then he took his own life. And at the leadership conference, okay, she, she extremely bravely quoted Eric Liddell, who said, Circumstances may appear to wreck our lives, but God is not helpless among the ruins. There is wreckage and ruins, but God, he is not helpless. When we're devastated and desperate, God is not helpless. Right in the, in the very middle of the book of Job, Job says that, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. Even more than Job, we can know this. Because you and I, we stand on this side of the resurrection. The resurrection means that the worst thing is never the final thing. That darkness actually does not get the last word. That, that your emotions may rise and fall, and so may your circumstances, but your Redeemer has risen and he is holding on to you even through death. It's not so much that God meets us in our pain, but that we meet him in his. Long before we had that illness or our hearts broken or that betrayal, Jesus' heart and soul and mind and strength suffered a full-on attack. He, he absorbed the, the pain and the suffering and the mess, that the total God-forsakenness. That God himself, he knows what it's like to, to call out to God and to get no answer. And Paul writes those, those strange things like what we read in Philippians 3 on Sunday. In verse 10, he, he wrote, I want to know Christ. Yes, to, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not just that God meets us in our pain, but we meet God in our shared pain. All people experience suffering. But for followers of Jesus, because of, of the love of God, the small deaths that we die are transformed. Henry Nouwen said that when we keep listening attentively to the voice calling us the beloved, it becomes possible to live our brokenness as an opportunity to purify and deepen the blessing that rests upon us.
that God, he might bless others through us, especially through our suffering. This week, I've been reminded of our James series from the autumn. Can I encourage you to go back and listen to when I spoke on the danger of being double-minded from James 1 and, and what God wants to do through our suffering, that we might consider it joy. This is only possible through the Holy Spirit, that we might consider suffering joy because God is doing a greater work in us. What if God in this time was wanting to use this coronavirus to, to mould you and to mature you? What if he wanted to use this time to make you a kinder person, a more empathetic person, a more resilient person? What if he wanted to use this time to prepare you for greater responsibility and influence? What if he wanted to do a work in you that wouldn't be possible any other way? What if pushing through the pain barrier meant that when faced with a world that is in pain, that we as the church might not only be a place of solidarity, but transformation? Yes, it still hurts. Jesus on the cross at first, he refused the wine that was being offered to him. He, he didn't numb himself to the pain. If we numb ourselves, if we medicate ourselves from pain and we aren't real about the emotion, it will pop up somewhere else and somewhere else, probably in a much worse way. We don't numb the pain. We don't suppress it. We are not Stoics. We are not followers of Stoicism, the, the prevailing philosophy of Paul's day. You know, grin and bear it, stiff upper lip. Like Paul, we, we, too, we can share our pain with others. It's so important not to isolate ourselves. It's good to talk. And for many, that will involve talking to a medical professional to, to process and work through and be honest about how you feel. I was really struck by uh, something someone said in Connect Group last week. They said, I am not the alchemist of my own emotions. And when he realised that, he said it was a relief that he could go to God for transformation. That we offer our pain and our emotions to God and we let him transform them and bring his healing. And yes, that can take a long time, but God, he will be with us every step of the way. Smack bang in the middle of Lamentations, a book literally devoted to lament. The writer says this, the Lord is my portion and I will wait for him. That God, he, he is the blessing in the middle of the battle. Yes, God wants to bless us with things, but most of all, he wants to bless us with himself. Once you become aware that the, the reason that you're here is to know God, and most of life's problems fall into place. When all is stripped away, Jesus is what we have to offer. Followers of, of Jesus who are battle-worn, scarred, and have been through the ringer and still love Jesus. Actually, we love him more. To be people who can say, you know, I never would have chosen the pain. I even wish it didn't happen to me. But I still wouldn't trade the intimacy with Jesus Christ. Yes, it's costly. It's costly, but it's priceless. The pricelessness is, is not just in, in who you become or how you grow as a result of the suffering. 
the, the prize is Jesus Christ himself. At this time, I think God is saying to the church, not, not just to those who are suffering, but to all of us. He is saying, I am your reward. I am your prize. I am your life. We don't have all the answers. But what we have to offer suffering people is Jesus. He is not trite. He is not pat. He is not abstract. But as I keep saying, boy, is he compelling. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. On the description and notes of this podcast, you'll see some links on how to get more help and how to think through the areas that I've raised. Particularly if you're going through a rough time at the moment, please do reach out as there are always people who would love to speak with you.